Okay. Okay. Now I have a cat on my back, so that's cool. Ah, uh, that's always cool. Why so if you hear any meowing, I'm sorry. That's okay. I like meowing. Why okay. is the cat on your back? Um, no one's home, so I left the door open because if I close it, the cat tries to claw her way in and she's ruining the carpet. Yeah, fair enough. So I've got a dog and a cat in here. The dog will be quiet. The cat, who knows? If I've learned anything in my, what, two years of podcasting with you, Jen, that your dogs are never quiet. Well, no, I mean, obviously, like, if there's noise outside or something, but if anything, he's more likely to be quiet in here because he, he's further away from where he would hear outside noises. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if he's loud, it's going to be because something happens. If she's loud, it's because she's a bitch. <laughs> it's because she's a cat, yeah. Yeah. And cats are bastards. Yes. But I love them. Welcome to So What's the Problem, in which we rewatch movies from our youth to determine if they're problematic by today's by oh fuck's sake. <laughs> to see if they're problematic by today's standards. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Jen. Today we'll be discussing 48 hours. That's HRS. Mm-hmm. This movie doesn't like women very much. That's one of my problems with misogyny. Let me read some words to you. Or some some phrases and some words. Mm-hmm. Uh, sweet pants. Yep. That's what you call a woman. Yeah. Uh, dumb skirt. Mm-hmm. I have the words piece of ass written here. I'm not sure if someone called someone a piece of ass to their face or behind their back, but that's there. And then if we are going, like in misogyny, can we just kind of lump in um, uh, homophobia as well? Because you have dykes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the F word. Mm-hmm. Was that all I had written down with this stuff? And also my favorite line. They said something about being upset or something if I don't get some trim before the night's over. Yeah, he he uses the word trim a couple of times, yeah. That's really gross. Yeah, yeah, the F word you're meaning is the food faggot. product. Yeah, faggot. It's a food product in the UK. I can say it. I guess if I said dyke, I... I yeah, I suppose, yeah, you right? could, yeah. Even the cops are dicks to the receptionist in a hotel. There's mm-hmm. no reason for that. Mm-hmm. Last thing they did before they died. Exactly. Uh, and I wrote, sure, more men get shot and killed, but women actually suffer more mm-hmm. because a man would just get shot in the head and that's him gone, but then a woman will get like dragged about and uh, shouted at and called names. And Annette O'Toole is just a moaner. She's just there to moan and complain and bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, then she disappears from the movie. And also, spoilers, she's not in the sequel. Rosalie is there just to be leveraged for the cash and she too disappears. Well, but she she may have died. She's she's a. a it doesn't matter if the skirt dies no, or not. We don't need. To she's know. kidnapped, and then we never see her again. Because the bus drives away, they kill her boyfriend, and then the bus drives away, and we don't see or hear. No one mentions a dead body or anything on the bus when the bus gets found. So nobody gives a shit about her, and she was probably like the most innocent person in the bloody movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and then all the other mostly all the other women are sex workers and get treated like shit 
Um, I'm going to read something to you from Wikipedia. Okay. Okay. This is from the section about the writing of the film. Okay. Um, it says, uh, Gross says his main contributions were the idea that Reggie Hammond wants badly to have sex after three years in prison, which, come on, that is not very original because that's, I mean, that's a trope, right? Nick Nolte having a relationship with his girlfriend that mirrored the frustration Eddie was having. I don't really understand how that mirrors it, but whatever. Uh, improving the nuances of the relationships between Nick and his girl, because there were nuances. Uh, his boss and the killers. The killers were sharpened up and made more interesting. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, whenever Walter could invent a monologue for one of the women, all bit parts, he, he would. Gross thought Hill has received a bum rap on the woman question. One of the things I think makes 48 Hours really more interesting than the average kind of movie like this is that although women play relatively small roles in the narrative, they kind of haunt everyone's imagination. The film is really sort of a screwball comedy about men and women trying to get together and not getting together, even though it is a very conventional gangster piece. This guy doesn't know anything about this movie that he co-wrote. No, that's not that. That's not 48 hours at all. Did any of these women haunt your imagination? No, I just... Did you even think about them when they weren't on screen? No, I just looked at Annette O'Toole and thought, God, she's really pretty. But then <laughs> then thought, God, she's not in this movie long enough. Like, how is this film a screwball comedy about men and women trying to get together and not getting together? Unless he means because Eddie Murphy's character wants to have sex. <laughs> That's the screwball comedy part of men and women getting together. It's not interesting. No, it's not. Ooh, ooh, a man wants to have sex after getting out of prison. Yeah, whoopee-doo. I... <laughs> Today we'll be discussing Crocodile Dundee. I also don't believe that a guy from Australia would make the newspaper sell like three times its normal circulation. I don't think that would actually happen. Maybe she's an amazing writer. Yeah, she could very well be an amazing writer. There are some people out there that if they're a good enough writer they can they can get you interested in a story you might not be interested in. It just seems to me that people are just interested in the foreigner and yeah. they don't know anything about Australia. Which is which was true of America at the time. Yeah. That's why the movie was made. Yeah. It was, but then what's hilarious to me is when he's at the hotel and he sees the bidet she mm-hmm. she reacts as though like it's ridiculous he doesn't know americans don't know what bidets are okay like i think i bet last year when there was the whole like thing where ev- everybody was running out of toilet paper like everybody was hoarding to- toilet mm-hmm. paper there was a lot of talk about bidets at the time and i'm i mm-hmm. bet you a large percentage of americans found out what they were for the first time then that is not something most americans and it's in like now it's more widely known i seriously doubt in the 80s that yeah. many americans knew what a bidet was and it was treated as though it's a perfectly like normal thing and it is i don't think i've ever seen one in america it's a perfectly normal thing for a rich person apparently in this movie like I, but um, the first time i saw one was in paris <laughs> I've never seen a bidet in my life, but I know they exist, and I know what they are because of this movie. Because mm-hmm. that oh, that made me, like, I always thought that was funny. Because the water scooshes up the way, <laughs> and then it's for cleaning your arse. And it's like, well, that's that's quite amusing. Um, I would never use one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> bidets, um, they're fucking weird. <laughs> we, we're strange people. We're, we're really weird. That we're going to make something like a bidet. Just wipe their arse. You don't need to sit in the 
fountain of water for Christ's sake. Well, I'll I'll say this. I've never used one. I'll say this. People say it's cleaner. Like people are disgusted by by those of us that use toilet paper. And two, tw- if you don't have to waste toilet paper, mm-hmm. that's a really good thing. Yeah, but what's the accuracy on it? Yeah, ha- don't I, Look, mean, I don't you would think you would have to like put your anus right over it for it to I don't actually know. make any I don't I don't know the specifics and I don't know if I want to have a conversation that gets too in depth. <laughs> Um, much like that water might, but, uh, yeah, 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 I, uh, I don't, I don't know. I just know what I've heard other people say who use them. Mm-hmm. And I've also heard plenty of Americans talk about how they were horrified by the idea of it. And then after using one, they're like, what's wrong with us that we don't have these. Yeah. And today we'll be talking about Return, uh, return to Oz. The 80s were really weird. I fucking love that though. Because it's like, mm-hmm. Disney, Disney's taking risks, you know? Well, you, I mean, you know why they took the risk, right? Why? They're about to lose, the, lose their rights to the books. This, right, but- I, I do not believe this movie would exist if they didn't need to make something to keep their rights. Same thing no, with, like, as Amazing Spider-Man, you know? Yeah, no, I get that. But, I mean, the 80s, they always, I mean, they took a lot of risks. I mean, Tron, you know, that was That's risky. True, yeah. Um, The Black Cauldron, Watcher in the Woods. Even Oliver and Company was a risk. Uh, Basil the Great Mouse Detective, or just the Great Mouse Detective, you know? That, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. The, they were all risks, and they were all in the 80s, and Disney fucking... They didn't all work, but I'm glad they did them. I'm glad they made them. And, I, I mean, there must have been a lot of cocaine going on in the 80s at Disney. But the, I was going to circle back to Oliver and Company. Can I complain about that for a second? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I loved Oliver and Company. I loved that movie. I saw it in the theater. I thought it was great. I had tons of merchandise that's probably still in storage somewhere. I had an Oliver and Company sweater that I loved so much. I may have had two sweaters. I don't know. I loved <laughs> Oliver and Company, okay? And I was yeah. like, when this comes out on VHS... I'm going to make my parents buy it for me. And we didn't, You, I mean, if I don't know if you remember, Disney movies were really expensive on VHS. And VHS oh, yeah. was just kind of expensive anyway. So we, you know, like many people, we recorded things off TV, but we didn't own a ton of official VHS when I was um, in elementary school. But mm. I was just like, I can't wait to watch Oliver and Company again. Like, I didn't press my mom to go to the theater because I was like, I'm going to get to watch it again. And I waited and I waited and I waited for it to come out to the video store and it never did. And then I get older and I'm like mad that I never owned it. And I'm like, why did my parents never buy it for me? They knew I was upset, obsessed. And I didn't realize until I read the Wikipedia page a few years ago, they never bought it for me because it didn't come out on VHS until like 1996 or something. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I guess they almost stopped making their animated movies because they weren't doing well. And I guess Oliver and Company didn't do well. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, I think it was The Little Mermaid that saved them. And so they didn't bother releasing it, which I can't imagine now because that that kind of thing doesn't happen now. Like they just release everything. Right. But at the time, I don't know if it was the fact that like when things first came out, they were, you know, a hundred dollars and the video stores had them first. So maybe Mm -hmm. if it didn't do well, they wouldn't. I don't I don't know the reasoning behind it, but. I, as a kid, I was so upset I didn't get to watch this movie that I loved, and I never knew why I couldn't watch it. Yeah. And it's, between that and for and thinking this didn't exist, I was disappointed. Sometimes people yeah. get on to me for the movies I watched when I was a kid, and it's like, well, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> I watched what was just available to me. Yeah, I had to wait a long, long time to watch Oliver and Company. We're never going to cover Oliver and Company, so I'll just get into this just now. 
I had the book and I had the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So I recorded the book. Uh, I recorded my own voice on a tape <laughs> and I put the music in the background and stuff when I thought it was going to be. <laughs> uh, put the songs in every now and then where I thought the songs were going to be. Uh, and I think I still have that tape somewhere <laughs> of little me doing... Um, put it on the, the internet. <laughs> Today we'll be discussing Delirious. He is pompous and he is smug because when he gets into the dream world and realizes what he can do, I mean, he obviously uses it to his benefit, you know. So he is mm-hmm. he is a bit dickish there. <laughs> but you know, at the same time, though, it's John Candy. Yeah, you know, he's still kind of he's still kind of likable. I don't know. I find it really easy to dislike him. I feel like he's played quite a few unlikable characters. And, like, I remember hating him in Splash. Yeah. Um, And and a lot of it is just the qualities they give characters in the 80s and 90s. Like, sometimes it's not that you're supposed to dislike them, but I do. Like, I remember in Splash, he was using mirrors or something to look up women's skirts. Oh, he was dropping coins and bending over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so immediately I'm just like, I don't like you, dude. I know. And Uncle Buck, Uncle Buck was a terrible boyfriend Mm -hmm. and brother. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, like, I know he's supposed to be fun and everything, but even as a kid I was like, this guy's a douche. Well, when I was a kid I wouldn't have known the word douche, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but (laughs) Uncle Buck does sort of learn a few things towards the end, especially when it comes to his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he. I mean, he learns things, but yes. at the beginning, he's definitely... No, no, I know, I know, but... But I think I'm supposed to like him. No, I know, but his character in Splash doesn't mm-hmm. really change. I mean, he gets arrested for his brother, but he doesn't really do much else. If you ever want me to get really angry, pick Splash as a movie. Uh, we've already done Splash, Jen. Oh my god, we have? Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> We have? We have done Splash! Oh my god! <laughs> so many movies, I can't keep track. <laughs> I have a terrible memory. Yeah. Today we will be discussing Beauty and the Beast. Okay, can we talk about that bitch, the Enchantress? Yeah! I have a huge problem with with this hoe, okay? <laughs> so, listen. She shows up, looking all old and ugly, mm-hmm. to a castle, mm-hmm. right? Where, apparently... An 11-year-old lives there without his parents, mm-hmm. okay? Like, I guess there's servants and stuff, so I can't say he lives alone. But she goes up to an 11-year-old child, and he's rude to her, which 11-year-old children tend to be. Yeah. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to turn you and hundred what's seemingly hundreds of people. I'm going to turn you into a beast, and I'm going to turn them into objects, even though they didn't do shit. Because you were rude to me because you thought I was ugly. Yeah. Who does that to a child? I had trouble deciding what my problems were. I'm still not totally set on what the other two are. We'll see how this conversation goes. Mm-hmm. But, or I'm, I know another one, but the third one I'm not so sure about. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I had a lot of problems. But the one thing I was set on was the idea that he was 11 years old old and she did this yeah and they make it like in that um stained glass thing that like he looks a little older but he's not he's 11 because they say they've been there 10 years Mm -hmm. and it's like his 21st birthday yeah it's just it's so infuriating she was so unfair and also 
her curse, like if she was going to have to do it, mm-hmm. I really feel like it should be that he falls in love with someone who is not traditionally beautiful mm-hmm. because it's so funny. This punishment is because like he was mean to an ugly woman. Mm-hmm. You'd think that like it wouldn't work so well if it's like the person he falls in love with is supposed to be like the most beautiful girl in the village. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even even though, in my opinion, the three blonde women who constantly fawn over Gaston are better looking than them, Belle. But we won't get into that. Um, but I just... Sorry, I just need to complain for one more minute. Carry on. Um, I just... The Enchantress really pisses me off. And it's like... So she wants to punish this kid. Mm-hmm. And she does this... To everyone who lives there? Yeah, yeah. Including small children? Yep. And the dog? Yeah, what the fuck did the dog do? She is a million times worse than the rude child. I'm Jimmy, and I hate everything. (laughs) Today we'll be discussing the Care Bears movie. Jimmy and I have thought of... Three problems the movie has each. We'll discuss them. We also have each thought of one positive the movie has. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, what's your history with this movie? I saw it once. Um, I was friends with a boy at school who had a twin sister. And in 1986, it must have been around about 1986, uh, their 10th birthday, I think. Um, they had a birthday party and we were allowed to watch movies because I think that was a way of the parents just sort of like yeah I can't bash with games and stuff let's just stick movies on so they got a, a couple of new movies out of the, the old video store and um, he picked He-Man and She-Ra Secret of the Sword so you know respect mm-hmm. and the sister picked this <laughs> so we had to watch it or there was no cake we wouldn't allow cake if we didn't watch this movie. So, fuck this movie. Wow, okay. <laughs> Today we'll be discussing Star Chaser, The Legend of Warren. Yeah, so, sexism. We, That's an important We one. weren't allowed badass women back then. Not as many. Back in 85, no. I, uh, I saw yeah. Shang-Chi yesterday. I'm like, okay, now we're allowed badass women. <laughs> Yeah, because there were some badass women in that movie, and uh, yeah, and then I watched something like this, and I'm like, I'm glad things have changed a lot. <laughs> Absolutely, oh, like action movies or sci-fi movies weren't actually aimed at a female audience because they thought that they had to be aimed. I don't know. It's like this has to be. It's it's this has to be for boys. This has yeah, to be it's, for men. Well, you know. And I didn't watch action movies for a really long time because I kind of thought, mm. oh, that's a boy thing. Like, I, mm. I just thought, oh, I'm not su- – that's not for me, um, which sucks because I could have – I would have grown up to be a very different person if I'd been watching my correct genres when I was younger. And then it's also – and I'm one of those people who's like, yeah, these movies weren't aimed at girls, so of course they don't badass girl characters. That sucks. Like, why couldn't – even if it's aimed at men, why couldn't it have – strong female characters like it's it like the idea that like oh men will have no interest in strong female characters and it's like well why don't you try their logic is men need or boys need to watch a movie where they want to be the hero right Mm -hmm. and you can't have that if it's a female lead who's been a badass that's their logic back in 1985 but wouldn't i mean if the characters are badass wouldn't wouldn't a young boy still want to be badass? 
and like be like the hero. I mean, we had Shira back then. Yeah. Shira debuted in this this year, 1985. So why couldn't you know? I mean, Shira was aimed at quote unquote girls, but I watched Shira when I was a boy. Yeah, but in, but then notice like that's the less important one, right? Because people, what people talk about is He Man. They don't talk about Shira. Yeah, true. But He Man did have the better characters, to be fair. I loved He Man. I just it's. I think it's. I wonder how many uh like. How many more girls watched He-Man than boys watched She-Ra? Because, yeah. like, it's more acceptable for girls to like, you know, boy things than for boys to like girl things. It is. But as we as we talked about last time, um, I fell into that trap when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't really watch a lot of, like, quote-unquote girls things like Care Bears and My Little Pony and stuff. But if I thought, if I think about it... Like, the quality of cartoons back then, see, watching something like My Little Pony probably isn't that different to watching something like Mm He-Man, because they were basically all written and all that by the same people, um, all these cartoons, um, and they all had the same sort of morals and stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? It's like, be a good person, um, have good friends. Uh, don't treat each other like shit. Yeah. That's basically what all these cartoons were about. And you know what we call that? What? Liberal propaganda. Yeah. How <laughs> dare they? How dare you teach children to be good people? Let let children be little bastards if they want to be. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Today we'll be discussing Bugsy Malone. Most of the movies I've seen that are less than an hour and a half are not good. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, maybe they just needed as filler. I don't know. But yeah, it felt out of place. But I will say one thing I was impressed about with this movie. I mean, the leads are all white, but there were a lot more black people in it than I would have expected, especially because it isn't until really recently that when people make movies that take place in a certain era, that they're willing to go against what would be realistic Mm-hmm. Um, cause like most people making this movie, it would just be like, well, all these people would be white. You wouldn't have black people around. So mm-hmm. like maybe the janitor, but they do, they do have multiple black characters, even if they aren't huge. Um, I, th- I think I just wanted to mention that because, um, that's a little different from what you would have gotten around this time. No, it is absolutely is, but there's still something to be said that, the character, the the people of color, children of color in this movie, their characters are still not. I mean, Leroy can't read. Um, he's 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 shown to be, um, a tad not very smart. Um, and then you've got Fizzy, who's the janitor, and you've got the piano player who doesn't say anything because he sings in uh, Paul Williams's voice. And that girl who dances. The girl who dances. Um, you know that the, the guy who plays, I can't, Razmataz, I think, is the character's name who does the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that actor's name is Michael Jackson. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, and then you've got the Asian, um, Dandy Dan's Asian uh, gentleman who just screams when he runs into the room and put, shoves people up against the wall. <laughs> um, 
So representation isn't great, but it's still better than what you could expect from 1976. There were still more people of color in this movie than there were for the entirety of Friends. (laughs) Yeah. Today we'll be discussing Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Let's just start with our problems then, and I'll go with my first one. Okay. And that is, uh, I'm sure this is supposed to be on purpose, but Dr. Dan Chalice is the worst protagonist in the history of horror movies ever. <laughs> and and I've seen Hostel. <laughs> I have I have not, so... People who have seen Hostel will know what I mean by that. But this protagonist, he's terrible. He's disgusting and he's pathetic and he also loses. So there's that. Uh, my understanding is the actor doesn't believe he lost. Yeah, but he did. It's supposedly an ambiguous ending, but I don't think there's anything ambiguous about it. We can talk we'll talk about it right now if you want. Okay. This movie doesn't seem to realize that time zones exist. Yes. Yeah, it, it that and the fact that like he's calling the stations to have them stop the commercial, but it's like you would only be calling the local stations. Mm-hmm. It's still going to affect the rest of the country. Yeah. In an hour's time, and then 2 hours time, and then 3 hours time, possibly. Yeah. But it, it doesn't, because all the way through it's like, at nine o'clock this is going to happen. But nine o'clock when? And then before it, it says 7.30. Yeah, but what time zone is it 7.30? I hadn't even thought about that. Are you just focusing on the time zone that we're currently in? So, I don't know. It doesn't make much sense to me, that. Because it doesn't even say 9pm Eastern, then, you know, 8pm, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't say that. It says 9pm and that's it. <laughs> so, and he's got the entire country to phone as well. Yeah. So there's no way he wins. There's absolutely zero way he's won. Yeah, so what did you think of Dr. Daniel Chalice? I don't like him. No. Today we'll be discussing twins related to your problem about the nun. Women in this world are here to breed and that's it. Vince is sleeping with every woman he meets, including mm-hmm. the nun. When he was a kid, he flirts with his secretary. The the mother is only there to to uh, um give birth to this superhuman. And then it wouldn't bother me as much. But the end of the movie, both men have fathered children at exactly the same time. So both these women, these girlfriends. And now only in the movie for that sli- that sight gag at the end, and the women are only there to breed. Yeah. So, if you think about it, every every single woman is just there just for apart from the women singing the song <laughs> at the bar, uh, but every single woman is there just to flirt, or you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm. It doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Written by four men. Yeah, you could tell. <laughs> Today we'll be discussing True Lies. My my second problem, which is actually my first problem, is I can't remember the guy's name. The the tech guy is it Faisal Faisal or yeah, something? Yeah, I don't know. Um, he pees outside, and then he proceeds to go into the van and use all the equipment in the van <laughs> without washing his hands, and that disgusted me. It disgusted me, Jack. He could have at least have used some snow, like melt some snow to clean your hands. You know, at least something. But no, disgusting. Anyway. That's funny. That wasn't going to be a problem until I noticed it and I was like, oh yeah, dirty bastard. 
And I'm Jimmy. Today we'll be discussing One Magic Christmas, which was released in the US on the 22nd of November 9th. I can't keep that up. So, my third problem is Santa and Gideon kill the husband and almost the kids after they get kidnapped just so Jenny can learn the true meaning of Christmas through trauma. You think Santa killed them? Yes. <gasps> I do. I think it was all part of Santa's plan because I don't know if you realise this, Jen. But in this movie, Santa is God. Santa can bring back people from the dead. Um, so, and he has all the powers of God. So I definitely do think that this was a sort of, um, it's a wonderful life type lesson for Ginny to learn. Um, and it was all Santa's doing. Uh, and also, it's really odd because... Even the happy ending seems so downbeat. Mm-hmm. I mean, the tone doesn't really change that much. It should make you, this, the ending of this should make you feel good, but I'm still just sort of depressed because of, you know, murdered husbands and drowning kids. And I'm like, really, this is, this is your big finale that she meets Santa and wishes him a happy Christmas? Wow. It's like tacking. A happy ending on the end of Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> it doesn't fit. Today we'll be discussing Trading Places. This was made just after, like right after 48 hours. So Eddie Murphy's only about 21 here. Oh my god. And he carries himself so fucking well for someone so young that yeah. you think that he's older than that. <laughs> Well, people used to look older. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Aunt May in, in the new Spider-Man movies, like, Marissa Tomei is, I think, older than Rue McClanahan was at the beginning of Golden Girls. Holy shit. Rue McClanahan, if I remember correctly, was 51. Jesus Christ. Yeah. People age differently now. Um, And people look different. Like, it's just, I think, changing hairstyles and shit. But, and then also, you know, the use of sunscreen and not smoking everywhere and like there's just been a lot of changes to where people age so differently now yeah look at Wilfred Brimley Wilfred Brimley yes. was forever in his 60s but when he was in the thing he was like only like 49 or something he was mm. ridiculously like young when he was in the thing and he looked like he was 30 years older possibly um and he was always that old man uh I think he was only he, he was in his very early 50s when he did Cocoon and it's yeah. supposed to be in the 70s or something. Um, my favorite is uh, at the beginning of Seinfeld, Jason Alexander's 29. Yeah. That's the one I'm obsessed with. And uh, Norm on Cheers was like 33. Yeah. When the show started. It's ridiculous. That is insane to me. Like that I am older than Norm. Yeah. That doesn't seem right. <laughs> and Cliff. Cliff Clavin, I think, was like 34. That's ridiculous. That yeah. is that is ridiculous. But yeah, Eddie Murphy's only about 20, 21 in this. 21, That's I so think. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. But it's not just he looks older. I also think that it's, it is the way he carries himself and he portrays mm. himself as older. Even when he's saying puerile, juvenile, childish shite, he's still... You, can, you believe that he's an older guy? Like, maybe someone in his late 20s, early 30s, saying this stuff? 
I think Valentine's mm-hmm. supposed to be like thirties, maybe. Um, okay. I imagine. I mean, if it was written for Richard Pryor, I imagine he would have been. But Eddie just plays it because he's supposed to be like he's not supposed to be practically a child. He's supposed to be a grown ass yeah. adult. Yeah, Eddie Murphy started Saturday Night Live when he was nineteen. So That's so crazy. It's it really is, um, and still not the youngest member of Saturday Night Live. Who's the youngest member of Saturday Night Live, Jen? Anthony Michael Hall. Yep. And how old was he? Oh God, like 16, I 17? think he was sixteen. Yeah, that is ridiculous. See, look at me knowing things. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. He only lasted a season. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Wasn't that the same year as Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah, yep. the two were friends at the time. I don't know if they still are, but they were. Friends. I don't think I've ever seen a sketch that they were in. No, neither have I. Oh, Lauren Michaels, the five years he was gone in reruns, You, the, I think like the only stuff that they really have in reruns is the Eddie Murphy sketches. Mm. They kind of hid everything else. Yeah, but it also helps that Eddie, the Eddie Murphy stuff is actually genuinely funny. I've seen a lot of his sketches, and there's some really good stuff in there. And mm-hmm. that just goes down to the fact that Eddie Murphy's a talented motherfucker. <laughs> and you've got Robert Downey Jr., who's a talented motherfucker for different reasons. Yeah. Um, he, he doesn't suit Saturday Night Live. Today we'll be discussing Blind Date. The movie is actually, it can be quite clever at times. Mm-hmm. There's some, some funny lines in there. William Daniels comes out with some good lines. Mm-hmm. And his delivery is just fantastic. Well, and when but, John John Larquette says thanks, Dad, that was a that was a good re- like I I felt yeah. like that was kind of a perfect timing for the reveal because that's the kind of yeah. thing where that joke you could reveal it too soon. Um, but that was I thought that was delightful. But that's the thing that I like about older comedies more than modern comedies. I'm not going to complain about modern comedies again. I've done it loads of times before, but. I think a lot of these older movies, especially ones like this, right, you have to have the timing down exact. It's it's more pressure on putting the timing down in movies like this. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you've got a a movie like, sorry, it's the first one that's popped into my head, if you've got a movie like Ghostbusters 2016, right, Mm -hmm. where Paul Feig just points a camera at people and says, be funny, and he doesn't say stop, when people are flipping the bird, for five minutes straight, that's that's not that's not funny to me because there's no there's no concise timing or anything in that. It's it's just someone improvising, and while improvisation can be funny, I've done improv myself at college. I know that it's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Also, what's not easy to do is actually reading lines from a script that are supposed to be funny and selling them. And also selling um, pratfalls mm-hmm. and, you know, stuff like that. I, I think comedies like this, which may not be, like, hilariously funny, I do think there's more of an art to them than there is of modern comedy movies. Mm-hmm. There's more effort put into them anyway, I think. Today we'll be discussing Lethal Weapon. But this movie was released in March, so that's why we're doing this. Uh, it's not even really a Christmas movie anyway. It could be. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's... See, it's people as, say that... Sorry. Oh, it's not as much of a Christmas movie as Die Hard, but... Yeah, exactly. People people argue that... See, I would I would argue that this isn't a Christmas movie, but I would argue that Die Hard is. Because there's more Christmas in Die Hard than there is in this. 
Um, this is just it's it's a part. It's just set at Christmas, and you know, there's the odd tree kicking about, the odd decoration, and a Christmas song at the start. That's about it, really. Well, if I think that if it makes somebody think about Christmas, it counts as a Christmas movie because there are things like Sleepless in Seattle isn't a Christmas movie, but a good chunk at the beginning takes place there. So I kind of think about Christmas, right? Like right. we're sleeping isn't a Christmas movie, but it takes place at Christmas. So I think of it as a Christmas movie. Right. Okay. I just I just think that it has to have more sort of Christmas to it than just being set at Christmas for it to qualify. Um, and a lot of people would say that Die Hard doesn't, but. I would say Die Hard does. Die Hard's got a lot to do with Christmas. Um, uh, can, I, can I tell you something about my office door? Um, it's easy for cats to get in and rub their tails in your face? Yes. <laughs> the, the space under the door, between the door and the floor, is huge. And this cat used to be really fat. And recently, we don't know what happened, but she's lost weight. And she just came yeah. in to interrupt the recording. <laughs> my God. this I'm supposed to have privacy in here. Oh, She's the door's actually the door's actually open. Hold on. All right. <laughs> hey. She did crawl under one day, so I thought she did it again, but I guess she right. just opened the door. Um, well, it's, she's a cat, so you should be grateful that she's actually shown you affection. <laughs> yeah. And not meow not you to feed me human. <laughs> Today we'll be discussing free men and a baby. I've watched it within the past ten years. Right. But I don't think i've watched it since i had a kit right it does change it I does change your perspective you, yeah i was gonna ask you if you had any trouble watching it now that you take care of a baby all the time um well i saw it when i was i can't remember i saw it in 1988 right it was released in 1988 here and i saw it and then in 1992 my sister was born and i was 15 so i kind of then, when I would rewatch the movie, because you know I would change nappies back then mm-hmm. when I was fifteen, uh, so I've kind of went through it twice now because now, <laughs> now I have a niece, um, and I change her nappy occasionally. I'm not as I've gotten older, I've I've gotten um more adverse to poop. Um, when I was younger, I could handle it. Now I can't, and I want to throw up, and I don't know why. Because uh, we all poop. No, I, I have that problem too. You would be shocked at how few uh, poopy diapers I actually had to change. Yeah, the Dylan when, Dittle. When Xander was a baby. He, if if he was here, he would do, like, he would insist because mm. I have, like, a gag. Yeah. Um. So I actually, it is shocking how few of those diapers I had to actually change. Yeah, but watching it now, I watched it the other day, then I was watching it, I was like, right, I understand this. I understand this perfectly. I um, I get the stress as well that these men go through. Um, it's perfectly understandable. But when I was a kid, I was just like, what are these fucking idiots? <laughs> it's just a baby. Yeah. But yeah, I really like this movie. I, I, I hadn't seen it in a while. And um, I just forgot just how much I really enjoy it. Every time I watch it, I for, I for, like I realize I forgot it's like a good movie. Yeah, it is a, a, an actual genuinely good movie. And I think it's better than the sequel, because the sequel's kind of crap. But we might do that at some point. So this is the third movie that we've covered so far that's based on a French film. Really? I thought it was only two. There's this and My Father the Hero, but True Lies is Mm -hmm. one as well. Oh, okay. So there's three. 
And I was going to say that it's weird that Leonard Nimoy directed this, but uh, Sidney Poitier directed Ghost Dad, and I think that is weirder. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Today we'll be discussing Prom Night. Well, before I talk about my notes, um, I don't want to forget to talk about Jamie Lee Curtis's latest movie. Okay. And it is a, I will recommend it, but only if you like weird-ass movies. Like, super weird movies. Okay? Uh-huh. If you don't like super weird movies, don't bother. Okay. Last night, I saw Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mm-hmm. It was so good. Right. And if you love Jamie Lee Curtis. Or Short Round. Or Short Round, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's really he's good. He's really good in it. He's really good at it. And what I love is he said that um, what made him go back into acting is he saw Crazy Rich Asians and thought, oh, maybe there's a place for me in Hollywood. Mm. And that's what made him go back, um, which I thought was really sweet and sad um mm-hmm. but yeah jamie lee curtis in this movie it's it's the movie was way funnier than i thought it was gonna be it was right. i didn't expect it to be i mean i guess you could call it a comedy it was but it's it it's i can't even describe the movie i can't even describe the plot to you it's insane i didn't know jamie lee curtis was in it when she showed up and she looked really weird i was shocked uh-huh. it's really good and it's it's one of those things where you walk in the theater like because i knew how weird it was gonna be mm-hmm. and i was like Who's here? Like, why are these people here? Because mm. inevitably, and this happened, Dylan heard a family talking as we were leaving. Inevitably, there's someone who's in the theater of a weird movie where they're just like, I don't get it. That was stupid. And like, they're shocked at how weird it is. And it's like, how did you come to see this movie? Like, what what inspired yeah. an entire family to spend a Saturday night at this particular film? I'm willing to watch it. I'm willing to watch anything as long as it's not like got, you know, torture porn. Mm-hmm. Or Andy Dick in it. So, <laughs> so the same thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So next we have an ordinary episode, and it will be Jen's pick. Do you want to see what it is? Yes. Yes. Adventures in babysitting. Adventure. Oh fuck! I need to find that then. It's <laughs> the edited version that's on Disney Plus. I'm surprised. I'm surprised I haven't done it yet, and I haven't seen it in so no, no. long. No, no, it's fine. That's fine. Um. I don't mind watching that movie. So, that's all we have time for. If you want to follow us in the podcast, it's at Drop the Pilot Pod. Um, the website is shiftedbench.co.uk. Contact at shiftedbench.co.uk is the email address. So, where can people follow you on the internet, Jen? I'm at Pilot Inspectors on Twitter. Excellent. So, thank you all for listening. I will speak to you all next time. Bye. Bye.